Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <gasps> Good morning, Tam Tam. It's the afternoon in quarantine, but it all runs together because it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it never changes. It never ends. How's week seventy-two? And oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> will it? Will it ever stop? Will it, it ever no. stop? Nope. And you know what? The craziest thing is today is my anniversary, and I'm having it in quarantine. My wedding anniversary. And you were like, "Oh, I was like, what is he doing for you?" And you're like, "We're going for a walk, and he's in the backyard." <laughs> I'm gonna wear my high heels. It's like, gonna be real fancy. That sounds sexy. And then you're like, "Oh, but my kid will be there." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. we're definitely not getting laid." Definitely no sexy times. Uh, we'll just gaze at each other from across the yard. You know what I was doing in quarantine? I have been so obsessed with Netflix specials and stand-up mm-hmm. specials. Like it's my thing. And there was this Netflix special called Quarter Life Crisis. And Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, like, there's no way I have anything in common with someone who's having a quarter. Because I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis, (laughs) an early one. (sighs) And I turned it on. And this amazing 25-year-old girl, Taylor, gave the best stand-up that I have heard in so long that I decided to fucking reach out and get her on the podcast. So I welcome, Taylor. It. Yay, Taylor, Taylor, woo! Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you for clapping. That's the most applause I've gotten in six weeks, and I need it. Uh, thank you so much. It's so fun for when people are like, I really thought I was going to hate it, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. turns out it doesn't yeah. suck. Like it's It really is my favorite compliment when people yeah. were like, I looked at it, and I was like... <laughs> There's no fucking way. Did you really? Yes. And then I brought my husband in to watch it and he kept falling asleep, not because of you. <laughs> because we have two small children and we're stuck in quarantine. That was the reason he was falling asleep. Every time we'd fall asleep, I go, No, no, no. This is the good bit about like when she goes to the wedding and then she's at the wedding and the bride's like, you're like, that's the best you got. And that's what I feel sometimes. <laughs> No, no, I get it. I get it. I'm like, open your eyes. So yes, I'm very invested in your comedy special. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That's so nice. That's going to keep you going for a week at least. Exactly. How's quarantine going? You know, it's not too bad. It's like up and down, good days, bad days. Don't you feel like it's so like hour by hour? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you both have kids? Yes. Okay. And they're young. Yes. (laughs) Last we counted. Yeah. I have a a one-year-old and a six-year-old Roxy. She has a, a six-year-old, too. Yes. Okay. Or, and a 52-year-old, if you count the husbands. Yes. And we'll have two older <laughs> you know, children as well. <laughs> 
So do you guys feel like that's helping quarantine because you have like something to do, which is raise your children? Or do you feel like it's making it more stressful? I mean, for me, I feel like I have zero time. Like I thought I had was busy and had no time when my child was actually at school. Yeah. Now uh-huh. it's like taken on a whole nother level. And then I've also got like the husband and there is no, and Tamna and I have talked about this. There is no escape. Like, no, you're stuck when, with them. Yes. You're stuck with them in quarantine. For, <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> There's no going anywhere. I can't like run to the local bar no, or go to like a restaurant, you know, or even go to the beach anymore. It's all closed. So for me, it's just been like the time suck is like totally crazy. And it's weird because like, I'll, you'll hear people of your age uh, mm-hmm. say like, I watched Netflix, like the whole, I watched Netflix today, like the whole of Netflix. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. And I feel like it's, you have advantages <laughs> and disadvantages to both. Cause like for us, we don't have time to like, even change our underwear. Like seriously, I'm like, I do, maybe that's why my husband doesn't want to be around me. Um, but, but you guys then, are wearing underwear in no, no, no. No, no, I mean, today I am, but today it's like a rare treat. Yeah. <laughs> like, be lonely. Like maybe people, I mean, you have your boyfriend in quarantine. I saw mm-hmm. is like now stalk you. Cause I'm a, obsessed with you. Um, and uh, <laughs> that, but when you're alone, I feel like there's a lot of people who are struggling right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my boyfriend, Sam and I are usually long distance. He lives in New York and he just happened to be out here visiting because we would go back (gasps) and forth when we were dating when everything kind of like shut down. And so we had to make the decision like, all right, is he going to go back? Is he going to stay here? And thankfully he stayed here because I I don't know what I would have done. I guess I would have just been by myself because I travel so much. I mean, when everything shut down, I had just gotten back from like four days performing in Vegas, four days of press in New York for the special. And then Mm -hmm. like another four days of shows in Cleveland. So I had been on so many flights. I'd been in so many different hotel rooms and whatnot. And so I was like, and he was in this, a similar position because he's a stand-up comedian as well. And so Mm -hmm. we were both like, there's no way we haven't brushed up against it at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we've just been all over the place. So I mean, my thing was like, who else are you going to quarantine with right now? Like, you're going to go back to New York and be by yourself, and then I'm going to be by myself, and we're going to be on FaceTime the whole time. So I'm very glad he's still here. And uh, I mean, for us, it's kind of nice because we're, again, we're long distance, so we're used to missing each other all the time, and now we are the only people we do not miss. (laughs) So Uh, you guys are brave, though. That's really brave. How long have you guys been together? We were only together for like six months when everything happened. So it's been like a little over seven now. Okay. And so it's fairly new. It's like our, our honeymoon period ended and then the world shut down. It's like, Ooh, sink or swim. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Someone told Sam the other day, they're like, yeah, you either have to fast forward or get out Uh when you've been in a relationship, you know, not for like years and years, if you're not married, like if you've been dating for a few months or even just like a year, I feel like this has been a real make or break test. Oh yeah. And and luckily, yeah. You're too. Oh yeah. Even for yeah. marriage. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of divorces going to come out of this quarantine. That's for a sure. Lot of, and a lot, lot of babies. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, because that's what you want to do in quarantine is have sex when you have no time. <laughs> But, it's, but it is. It's like it's. I think there's going to be a lot of like. It's relationships are really going to stand like mm-hmm. figure out where they want to go for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, my one of my best friends who's also a comedian. I only hang out with comedians. Uh, his name's Dustin Nickerson, <laughs> and I was texting him like at week three. He's been married 15 years, and he go, I go. Uh, 
yeah, I was like, being married is really hard, I guess. And he goes, oh, this is so much harder than being married. He's like, marriage, there are breaks. This is every day, every second, all the time. He's like, this is completely different. He's like, if you can do this, you can be married, no problem. And how is that bode? Like, how does that bode for you guys? Like, has it been boding well? Like, you guys are fighting, not fighting? Like, making it through? Like, what are your techniques? Like, what's going on? I mean, we're doing this web series on Instagram called New Mm -hmm. Couple Gets Quarantined. So Mm -hmm. a lot of those episodes are born out of real like arguments we have, Mm -hmm. like serious ones, but like little bickering, whatever. Like there was once I I coughed on him and he was like, fucking for real? And I was like, (laughs) you came on me earlier. And that was the whole episode. It was a genuine hair Yes, I love it. You have it. I was like, you definitely have it. A cough's not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, But but like that was a real like three minute fight we had that, I mean, it's been a really great get out of fight card to play where we're like, okay, stop. This is content (laughs) and we need to capture it instead of letting this destroy us. So, and I don't know. I mean, it's so much easier to communicate face to face than it is when you're, you know, long distance on either Mm -hmm. coast. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's kind of been easier. I mean, we've definitely had arguments, but I still think overall, we've probably argued less. I love how you said your argument if we were three Mm -hmm. minutes because um, Roxy and I (laughs) were together and I was like, I just fought with my husband for nine hours over tortillas. Like nine hours we fought over the fact that the tortillas were frozen when I told him to take him out of the fucking fridge for nine hours. And that's what happens after 13 years together. You just mm. keep going. And then it becomes less about the tortillas and it becomes about you You never tell me the real facts and then you're acting like a child. I'm not a child. I'm not like my mother. And then it just, it devolves. From like the tortillas to like, what's the meaning of your entire relationship? <laughs> yeah. And you have to be right. Like you right. have to be right. Like you are going to get that point across and yeah. he is going to like take it, yeah. you know? And if they don't hear you, you just go louder, yeah. louder, go louder, louder, and louder. And then they go, why are you yelling? It's like, I started small. Like I started here and then you, I ended up right here. <laughs> All the things. You're like acknowledge your part in <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. exactly. Clearly your fault. Clearly your fault. So have you picked um, up any weird hobbies? I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. have yeah. I in yeah. quarantine? Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought a green screen, which I never would have done. <laughs> I'm not using it because it's pretty aggressive to come into a Zoom with the green screen, you know, firing. <sighs> uh, but I bought this green screen like a few days ago. It came in the mail and it has been so fun even just on zoom calls with like my family or my friends and i'm so embarrassed by how much fun i've been having with it i mean the thing is sam and i both are like such pure stand-up comedians that we're used to just performing every night and traveling every weekend and it has been such an adjustment to basically have every day revolve around all right what online social media content are we going to create today i mean we are we going to podcast are we going to make a video what's something funny we can post what's a funny joke we can tweet Mm -hmm. like which is just not the same as performing for a live audience i mean i'm not kidding about the applause Mm -hmm. it feels different Mm -hmm. and so doing like people's podcasts over zoom when they're like hello i'm like okay suck it up we need that uh because, you know, getting a bunch of nice comments on Instagram doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, like, fill the hole inside you in the same way. Mm-hmm. So 
we're uh, we're certainly trying to pivot uh, in our careers right now. Yeah. What about okay? So like in quarantine, like Tim and I were talking about this. We've been cooking nonstop, like cooking yes. like every fucking meal. It's like three meals a day. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's always hungry. Are you cooking? And if so, have you like found a new food that you like? Or what are you guys doing for that? We are cooking. Sam's okay. a really good cook, which Ooh. I really lucked out with. Um, I was a little annoyed when I found out because I was like, we've been dating for six months and you're just now showing me you know how to season things because <laughs> this feels like something you should have pulled out sooner. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big artichoke person and he's been cooking with a lot of artichokes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not know how much I loved artichokes. <laughs> That's been my new thing, I guess. And then as far as like hobbies, I don't know. I wanted to order adult coloring books and Ooh. then he made fun of me. Is that like and I was sexy like, coloring books or just like like adult sexy coloring I'm, books or just like coloring no, books for adults? I, I guess I just mean regular <laughs> I guess I just mean of coloring Tim books. Tim really wants one with a grown up. Oh man, and they're like naked people. Big hard boner, color like coloring book. I'll leave, I'll leave the boner for last. I'm the like piece de resistance, like right at the end. Right. You're like, where's the purple for the veins? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't forget. Don't forget the hair. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm actually saddened that that's not what you meant. But please go keep going with this story. <laughs> I'm sure that exists. I mean, I'm going to Google it immediately after this. I I just meant like adults use coloring books now. And I've seen that over the last couple of years. That's like a new trend where people do that as like a way to relax or meditate almost. And I'm like, that looks silly. Who would do that? And then everything shut down and I was in quarantine. Like, you know, it sounds really relaxing. Just like, just like doing, just doing like one of those felt marker yeah. Lisa Frank posters. <sighs> like, do you remember those? Yeah, they were all yeah. fuzzy and you do the markers. Oh, that's all I want to do right now. It sounds so relaxing. We don't miss it because um, hmm. out, that's all we do with our kids. Cause we have to homeschool <laughs> them. So every day we're coloring. Yeah. Fucking, my daughter wants to be a meerkat. So like now I had to Google, like, <laughs> what does a meerkat look like? Because who ends up drawing it? It's fucking me. So like I yeah. had to be, you know, I've had to color all her cause she wants to keep it all in the lines. I shouldn't say this. Cause if a teacher listens, they're like, you're doing our homework. <laughs> I showed the teacher today and she's like, Oh, is your, is your mommy helping you with your homework? And I'm like, no, she knows all her times tables. <laughs> seven times seven, she's got it down. Don't worry about knows it. Knows how to spell philanthropy. Like she knows this. She yeah, she's an out. excellent speller. <laughs> what six year old has not read the Odyssey? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that was Clear. the first book we read together. Come on. She picked it up at two. Yeah. <laughs> so ew, let's talk a little more about your special because that special was so amazing. Um, what was shooting that special like? Yeah, I mean, it was such a dream come true. I submitted an hour to Netflix like a little over a year ago thinking I would get the half hour because okay. I started off doing the comedy lineup, which is a series on Netflix where everyone does like mini specials. So each comic did like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I did that about a year before that. Um, and then the next kind of step was the stand-ups, which is a series where everyone does half-hour specials. Yes. So I was thinking like, okay, maybe they'll let me do half an hour, but let's show them that I'm capable of doing an hour for the future. And I just have an amazing manager apparently because they let me do an hour. And I was like, they're going to let me talk for how long? Um, 
so we had like, I don't know, five months before we, we actually shot it at the Aladdin theater in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, it was just amazing. I mean, it, it's so different than filming, you know, a 15 minute special showcase style with a bunch of other comics because I had so much control. Like Netflix really does let you control so much. I mean, they did not try to edit my material. I got to choose all my mm. material, obviously. I mean, I didn't really get any editing notes for them on content, even after the fact. Uh, I mean, the set was all approved by me and the lighting and like my outfit, like ev- I got to choose absolutely everything. Wow. And so when the time finally came to shoot it, I was not nearly as nervous as I thought I would have been because first off, everybody there bought tickets to see me specifically. So people are kind of already on your side, and just knowing exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, my buddy Dustin was there opening for me. I mean, I had my whole team. I had family and friends there. I, it, once we got to the day, I was nervous in the morning. And then once we were at the theater, I was like, oh, I got this. I've run this hour into the ground mm-hmm. on the road for the last six months, longer than that in a lot of cases for for a lot of those jokes. So um, it was awesome. It was it was an amazing night. They do it like a million times. Like, do they go over and over and over and over it? Like, or mm. or do you just like go on stage and that's it? It's like that's mm-hmm. it. Do you just get one time to do it? We did two shows. So okay. we did. I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we did an eight o'clock and a ten o'clock, or maybe mm-hmm. we did a six o'clock and an eight o'clock. We did two shows, okay. and mm-hmm. then you sort of pick which show that you like better. You liked better, mm-hmm. and then but you can you can splice in different parts from the other yeah. show yeah but it tends to end up being mostly one of the shows mm-hmm. and i i couldn't even tell you at this point which one we ended up using the most of i forgot okay. but uh yeah and i mean i got to be there for the editing process i mean it was just That's wonderful yeah it's great i mean i i never need to watch it because i've seen it far too many times by the time we yeah. were done editing it i was like is this good <laughs> you just see it so it, much and you're in a bubble you're just like this could be crap right yeah right this might be trash i guess we'll find out in a couple yeah. months <laughs> so were you were you like nervous going into it like did you have a couple cocktails to kind of loosen yes. up or were you, you yeah <laughs> were you high like what what did you do I don't drink. I, I will do, I, I do indulge in weed, which I got into over the last few years Mm. because I have horrible anxiety. And once I realized weed was helpful, I was like, well, I'm doing this when I can, but I've never gone Mm. on stage high, even a little bit. I I don't know that I would trust myself to do that. Although Mm. I know a lot of people do and it helps them write or or be a little looser. Um, Mm. I don't drink at all because I'm afraid I'm an alcoholic Uh, so yeah, no, I was really just, I was really just kind of like, I did have a panic attack in the morning. I think I took a clonopin in the morning. Uh-huh. I sound like I had so much control and it was great. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt totally prepared. And I was like, oh no, I did have a panic attack at 10 a.m. and took a clonopin. So maybe that had something to do There's with that. how chill I was. Yeah. You talk about being religious, and that's funny because I also grew up pretty Christian. But you make so many jokes about God. And for me, like, I feel like there is still something governing us, like something higher that we don't really know about, whether it's the universe or a spirit or whatever it is. But you make so many jokes, and you're, I think you're still close to your family. So, like, Mm -hmm. 
how do you feel about religion now? Like what, how does, how does that fit into your life? I don't know, honestly. I mean, it kind of changes day by day. I think, I guess I would probably say agnostic, which is just to say, I don't know. Yeah. Like who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And that was what was so frustrating for me is everybody around me in church was so sure that they knew and I couldn't wrap my brain around it and I couldn't feel that way myself. And I Mm. felt like I was broken or wrong. And at a certain point, I I was like, maybe I just need to do the research and I need to study and I need to figure out what I believe. And at a certain point, I just went, you know what, what are you going to do? Spend your whole life trying to figure out exactly Mm -hmm. what happens when you're dead? Because you're never going to know. There's just no possible way. So I think I feel similarly to you now where I, I have no idea I hope there's something bigger. I hope this isn't all there is. Mm-hmm. There are days where I'm just so in awe of whatever it is, nature or the world or love. And I'm like, there has to has be, to be God, other days. Yeah. yeah, there has to be something. And then there's other days where I go, I mean, this is all just random. And I'm, I don't, I'm not there when I'm asleep. So I probably won't be there when I'm dead. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I think I go back and forth, but it's hard to tell if, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's it's hard for me to tell if I feel that sense of, oh, there must be something more because of the way I grew up or because mm-hmm. that's just how I feel spiritually. Because I, I have friends who are such good people who didn't grow up with religion and just don't think about it and never mm-hmm. really have. Mm-hmm. And growing up religious in church, you're kind of taught like, no, everybody has this little voice in the back of their head telling them there's something more. And then you meet people who don't have that and you're like, okay, so what is, does that mean I'm just, this is just how I'm programmed? Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big turning point for me, like in college and, and doing stand up and meeting so many different people than I would have if I had kind of stayed in my like conservative sheltered Mm -hmm. environment that I grew up Mm -hmm. in. Um, Yeah. I, that was a little all over the place for an answer, but that's what I got right now. And how does that pan out for like, do you have like a fear of death? Cause Tamna and I talk about this a lot. We're we're petrified of death. Like we go to bed at night thinking about dying and it's anxiety. Yeah. Thinking about dying. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Can I please get in on those text chains? (laughs) Dude, I think about it all the time and I have other friends who do too and it's Mm. so helpful to have those friends you can text and just go I'm really scared of dying today and just go oh me too (laughs) it's been a rough one and then I have other friends who are just like don't talk to me about it and then I have some friends who go I mean I can't control it so why would I think about it yeah some people are so cool about it yeah it's weird when you have children it's like it's it gets better and worse Mm -hmm. at the same time it gets better Mm -hmm. because I had, and I talked about this with Roxy and out, we talk about this on the podcast. I had so many miscarriages. So like, where did that soul go? Right. And then you see the heartbeat for the first time that comes from nothing. And you're like, where the did that come from? So Mm -hmm. from no life, there was life. And when I birthed both my children, I felt like I knew them my whole life. Like I felt like they had been part of me my whole life. And yet when you're pregnant, you're like, I just don't know you. I just don't know you. Then you see them and you're like, Oh, there you are. And Mm -hmm. I feel like ever since I had children, I'm like mostly okay with it because I know that some, something else is governing 
from nothing to something to something to nothing. But mm-hmm. I'm also more afraid because I want to be there for my children. What scares mm-hmm. me the most is not witnessing their lives. Mm-hmm. Less about my life and more just them n- never growing up with us as a unit, if that makes right. sense. And then mm-hmm. them also not seeing, like, you're not seeing those milestones in their lives when they get married, when they have kids, you know, as they get older. But I do think, too, once you become a parent, it forces you to let some control mm-hmm. go. So in that way, I think that death, I mean, I'm not excited about death. I'm not, yeah. like, looking we, forward to yeah. it. Nothing yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, but it's maybe helped just a little bit in that sense that like, okay, I can't control it. Like I have no control over a lot of things. And that is one of those things, you know, that will happen at some point. But I think that too, also like just to piggyback on what Tamman's saying is that when you become a parent sort of changes your view of like death. So it's interesting too, because you're also very young. I mean, you're in your twenties. And I don't know if I, when I was in my twenties, I actually thought about dying. I did. Do you know what I meant? Did you? Yeah. No, I did. I I thought about it. Actually, I had way more panic attacks about death in my twenties than I have Mm -hmm. in my thirties. Okay. But it's because in my thirties, I've had so many like near death things that I, I remember going under from my second C-section because I had, we had C-sections, Roxy and I, and the first Mm -hmm. one I reacted to the medication. And so I thought I was going to die. So the second one, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to react again. And what Mm -hmm. happens is my blood pressure gets really low and you feel like you're dying because your blood is not pumping enough blood throughout your body. And as I was slipping into that state for the second time, I just said, I have to just, I can't do anything about this. (laughs) And I'm actually proud of myself because that's not my personality. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, as you get older, you're just like fucking your tits are going to sag. Like, isn't this great? Yeah. Your tits <laughs> are gonna sag. You're, you're like, yes, my tits are going to sag. I mean, our vaginas are good, right? <laughs> Roxy, our vaginas are fine. Yeah. Our t- vaginas are intact. You know? Your vagina will probably be fine Pretty in good. your 30s, but uh, <laughs> other things will go haywire. <laughs> See, it's, it's just, it's so positive what you have to look forward to. (laughs) No, I, I think that's so beautiful and interesting. Everything you guys just said. I mean, I lost a parent. Yeah. My mom died when she was 34 and her aunt died when she was 34 of (sighs) the same type of cancer. So I think my whole life since then I was eight. So I think my whole life since then Mm -hmm. I've kind of, it's gotten worse as I've gotten older, but I think I just expect to die at 34 Mm, and you know mm. on some level i know that's not true but there has always been a little part of me that goes okay i really want kids but i have to wait until i get to 35 because i don't want to have them and then i get cancer and i die and i'll feel guilty like leaving them going i knew that there was a possibility i would have left you and i still had you anyway or something Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. i just I have all of that going inside me. Mm-hmm. And then I also have three younger sisters. So I, I already have sort of like that maternal energy with them where I'm mm-hmm. constantly worried about them and what might happen to them. And, you know, talk about giving up control with, with everything that's going on in this pandemic. I mean, not just with, you know, my younger sisters, but like other people in my family who maybe aren't taking it as seriously. Like I've had to give up so much control that I never mm-hmm. even had, but Mm-hmm. You, you feel like you have more control normally and it has been really painful, but really good for me uh, growth wise, I think, to just learn that 
there's nothing you can do and you got to wait it out and you have to take Mm -hmm. it one day at a time and not freak out about things that haven't happened yet and may Mm -hmm. never happen. Um, But yeah, I think about dying all the time. And at a certain point you get so, you get so tired of being anxious about it that Mm -hmm. you almost like burn out on death anxiety. And that's when you stop being anxious about it. When your body is just like, we literally can't anymore. It's like we are anxiety. Like I've suffered severely with anxiety my whole life. And the only thing that has changed it for me is just accepting when you're in it, there's nothing you can do. And then all of a sudden there's no fuel to the fire. You're not putting, putting gasoline on the fire. Cause it's just like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And your Mm -hmm. brain just calms down. But it's hard to find acceptance in so many ways. Yeah. It's like anxiety Mm -hmm. is just scanning. It's it's like anxiety is just your brain scanning everything for something you could possibly do Mm -hmm. to prevent what you're afraid of from happening or continuing to happen. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. The key to, to getting rid of it is to just go, there's nothing you can stop. Mm-hmm. You can stop scanning now because you're not going to find anything. So mm-hmm. you might as well sit back and try to enjoy your life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned you lost your mom when you were eight. What was it like growing up, you know, from that age going forward, you know, without a mom? I mean, my dad got remarried. So we did have my stepmom, who is an amazing person. And she got cancer a few years later, oh which goodness. was like insane. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. She, uh, I know it was my dad was like, it was so it was so rough on him. But he uh, he took such good care of both of them. But she beat it, obviously. And she she couldn't have her own kids, but she wanted them. Mm -hmm. And she had a much different personality than my biological mom and could not have been more different in a lot of ways and was definitely like a lot more health conscious and, you know, was like, had this great career where my mom was a stay at home mom. And in a lot of ways, I think made me healthier and really gave me a work ethic that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she was really a big role model for me growing up, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's something about your biological parent you can't really replace. And I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, at the end of the day, people, people only have their own experiences. So she wasn't maybe as naturally maternal right Mm -hmm. off the bat. She just, Mm -hmm. not that she wasn't maternal. She would take really good care of us, but she, she wasn't as like touchy feely. Mm -hmm. She wasn't as like, like like physical touch wasn't her love language. Whereas that is my love language. So (gasps) it's why I'm always naked. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to really like meet each other halfway and go, okay, okay, you feel love when I do chores and acts of service. And I feel love when you just like hug me a little bit. So, you know, it's, I always thought that it would be really easy for my youngest sister because my youngest sister was two when it Mm -hmm. happened. So I always thought, well, she'll just feel like my stepmom is her mom. Like we call her mom, like she won't feel any sort of like loss or pain. And and at least she's spared from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's felt it like in a different way than the rest of us because she has no memories of, of, our, our actual, our biological mom. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you, you do, you do always feel like you're kind of striving for approval that you 
just can't get. It's impossible. And then Mm -hmm. you talking about wanting to be there for, for your kids milestones. I mean, it's true. Every time I hit a milestone, even like shooting that special, I was like, well, here's Mm -hmm. another thing that my mom will never see. And it would have been really cool if she could have. Did you feel anger when she was taken from you? Because again, you grew up so religious. Were you, maybe that was your moment that you were so angry at God Mm -hmm. in a way, like how, how could you have a God who's so loving and gives us so much and then takes the most important thing away from you. I can't even imagine, you know, just even going through a miscarriage. I was so angry. Like we birthed one of our babies, not full, full term, but like pretty for, for far into the process. And my husband and I were just so angry. It's like, and anger is just Mm -hmm. pain. It is, Mm -hmm. it is just another, like anger is not a primary emotion. So it's, I just can't even imagine being nine years old and having something yeah. taken from you, like how you process that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like we all feel that way about whatever we haven't experienced. I mean, I cannot imagine going through one miscarriage, let alone multiple. I can't even wrap my brain around that. That sounds so incredibly painful. Um, but yeah, I think we were all really angry and, and you know, were for a while and handled that in different ways. I mean... I remember thinking like, but we did everything right. You know, know. Mm -hmm. we were so involved in church and we prayed so much and so many people were praying for us and, you know, we trusted God and it just didn't, doesn't pan out sometimes. Like, how does that, Mm -hmm. how does that work? So I think then for a while you go, okay, well, everything happens for a reason. And maybe it was to bring, you know, my dad and my stepmom together because they're such a good match. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we moved to a better school district or, or whatever. You just look for reasons and there are days where you go, this makes no sense. And, you know, it could have been great if she had lived too. Like you, you just try to process it, you know, and you can't, you can't find any rhyme or reason to, to loss like that. I don't think, but Mm -hmm. you have to assign some sort of meaning to it. So you don't stay angry. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that was a factor for me, uh, in, in kind of backing away from Mm -hmm. organized religion, just Mm -hmm. going, you know, if I'm doing all the things and it's still not working, I mean, you just start to question all of it, I guess. Of course. Yeah, of course. Did it make you, did you have any like rebellion when you became a teenager? Like as you got older, did that, you know, cause any sort of like rebellion or just, you know, acting out in any way? No, I think I just had really bad anxiety and some Mm -hmm. OCD tendencies where I was like, I had really bad insomnia because I thought if I like fell asleep, then my house would burn down and my family would die. Like things like that, where you just, Mm. again, it's that illusion of control where you go, Mm -hmm. okay, well, if I, if I choose the right fork, then nothing bad will happen. If I Mm -hmm. open and close the door three times, everyone will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do. Yeah. I still do four kisses. I kiss everyone four times before they leave the house. Cause if Mm -hmm. they don't, I feel like something bad's going to happen. My husband tries to fuck with me. He always gives me five. So then I have to do four fours because I was like, okay, so it's four fours. That seems to make sense. And if he kisses me after the four fours, I just don't even know what four fours, four fours are. Well, you don't care about me then, Tam. And you only give me one big, wet, sloppy one every time no I I, I don't do it to everyone I only do it to the kids and my husband as they leave isn't that weird it has to be four kisses and when I text it has to be a four obviously it's a form of OCD that I haven't got rid of but I feel like 
they just have to abide by my rules. <laughs> it's not. Well, I'm sorry. I have to kiss you three yeah. more times than you're comfortable with. Like I, I mean, I welcome, almost, okay. You're I know. <laughs> there are worse things, you know. Oh, I don't like slap on. you four yeah. times, right? <laughs> so, thank you for sharing that story. I, you yeah, know, that's I really that, amazing. Um, the thing that I love about this podcast is there's so many people that listen and so many people that struggle in their own pain and their own isolation and loneliness. And when you see someone that you look up to, like so many people do with your special and you as a comedian, and you've gone through something like this and you're okay, it makes people feel like they can be too. So I always think that talking about the things that are hard for us actually changes lives. Mm -hmm. So thank you. I want to go back to a little bit about your special because we are very open in out in women on top about like sex and yes. stuff like that. But I feel like we have to talk about it. And it's kind of been such a taboo topic for women to talk about sex, but in your special, you're very open about it. Do you think women need to be just like, just open about anything, sexual fantasies, mm-hmm. just talk about it more and for it to be less taboo? I mean, I'm not the right person to ask because I live in the world of stand-up comedy and we're all pretty open Mm -hmm. uh, about stuff, you know, like it's, it's not a big issue amongst uh, female comedians to be super honest and forthcoming about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all my friends are like that too. I mean, I feel like with your girlfriends, aren't you super open? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We just, that's what this is. That's what we, the feel of this is, you know, we say things that guys would never Never. say to their friends. We're like, wow, what does it look like? You know? and just what does it smell like? Yeah, Tastes like. Just like <laughs> yes, it looks like this. Let me draw a picture for you. Like, we'd be like, are you kidding me? Hilarious. Right. I talked to an ex-boyfriend of mine about that once where he mm-hmm. was like, I think I said something offhand about talking to girlfriends of mine about sex. And he's like, he's like, really? He's like, you do? And I was like, yeah, don't you do that with your? I just assumed guys did that. No, they're not of, doing it. They're not. He's like, no. I don't think I've ever talked to my guy friends about sex, and I was like, <laughs> really? Oh shit! I was like, okay, I yeah. guess I'll stop talking I guess about the, it. I think the farthest they get is say like I boinked or whatever. Yeah, you know, that's like yeah. That's, there's no description. Yeah. There's no like color and smell and taste <laughs> and like. <laughs> yeah, we don't do the five senses. Right, right. As descriptive as we can possibly be. So. <laughs> Were you always open about sex, like kind of growing up or like, no, I mean, that was, that was a big thing that I wanted to be aware of with the special is I, I have, I had sex jokes that I had written, but I also wanted to be honest about the fact that I was coming from a place of, you know, sheltered inexperience mm. up mm-hmm. until I was an adult. Um, so I, I really, I think the important thing with stand-up comedy is to be as personal as possible because everything has been done now. So you kind of have to mine your own experiences even Mm -hmm. more so than maybe you used to when, when it was maybe more observational in style. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, I grew up so religious. I grew up trying to be abstinent. Mm -hmm. I had all this guilt around sex. I still kind of do and, and Mm -hmm. can't imagine treating it casually just Mm -hmm. because I'm programmed that way. Um, so I was, I was making jokes about it from that perspective. And it's so funny because to some people that seems like a very, in their words, like a, a classy way to talk about sex. So like you talk about sex, but you're not like gratuitous. And then there's other people Mm. who are like, all you talk about is sex. So 
everybody kind of has different uh different yardsticks for what is right. super dirty or gratuitous. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me and how I grew up, I'm like, this is so dirty what I'm doing. And then other people are like, Oh, this is like different and almost kind of a wholesome way to talk about uh-huh. sex <laughs> that, you've, that you've had so <laughs> little of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it was definitely helpful for me to hear women, whether they're comedians or, or just public figures talking about uh, their different journeys with, sex and and how they identify and how they've worked through maybe guilt or or shame mm-hmm. and i wanted to be somebody who was speaking from a perspective i didn't hear from that much mm-hmm. uh and i i had a lot of girls message me or come up to me after shows when i was performing live uh before the world shut down <laughs> and say like oh my gosh i grew up the same way and i felt so guilty for so long and um, you know, that thank you so much. This is, we are the same person. And, and that made me selfishly feel way less alone too. Cause for a long time I just felt weird cause I mm-hmm. didn't succeed in being abstinent and staying pure until marriage. And I also didn't have a phase where I, you know, had fun in college and explored my sexuality and slept with a lot of different people. So I felt like in this weird middle ground that not a lot of people talk about and, not a lot of my friends were in. I mean, my two best friends from high school are like on either side of the spectrum where like one had, you know, a very typical like free college experience and is happy that she had those experiences. Mm -hmm. And then I have another friend who's like still very religious and Mm -hmm. still is waiting till marriage. So I, I felt like not clean enough for church and not dirty enough for uh parties or be cool or whatever (laughs) so i was like how do we how do we uh how do we speak to to those people who are are in the same boat and i think that's the cool thing about comedy is Mm -hmm. everybody relates uh to different things and and it can help other people but it can also help you as a performer Mm -hmm. by going oh my gosh i'm not weird and i'm not alone do you feel like And my husband and I talk about this a lot because we write comedy. And do you not feel censored these days, though, in what you're able to write and what you're allowed to say? Because I do feel like obviously there's certain things that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole, neither would he, because it's completely offensive and it's not right. But then there's other things that's just like having a laugh at yourself or whatever. But I feel like it's almost, it's gotten so sensitive that even when we write, we don't even really know how in a way sometimes it's comedy. Hmm. I don't know that I feel censored in talking about sex. I mean, no, just a- anything in general. Oh, anything in yeah. general. You feel like you I have mean, to be careful. Like, you know, the com- co- like comedians back in the day, like Seinfeld, he used to say, he used to be able to say anything about anything, mm-hmm. but now yeah. it's like, you have to be really, really careful. Yeah. Very PC almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of that Mm -hmm. on the internet. I mean, in comedy clubs, I think I've seen people talk about everything. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. seen people make jokes about everything. Um, But I think it's when things end up on the internet, whether it's a tweet that gets misconstrued or a video someone took at a show of Mm -hmm. someone working on material that wasn't done yet. I think that's when this sort of like mob mentality can, can get out of hand online and people Mm -hmm. get canceled or whatever. I really do think it's, it's the internet uh, more than anything else. Cause if there was no internet and people were just going to see comedians perform live, like Mm -hmm. back in the day, 
nobody's going to call all their friends and be like, we can't watch Seinfeld anymore. You right. Pigeons. <laughs> and I'm a pigeon enthusiast. I'm a pigeon you know? lover. What, <laughs> I was just I'm like, what would Seinfeld get canceled for? Nothing. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the internet's just a, a, a scary place. And there are just giant mobs of people with pitchforks and yes. torches that uh, just decide sometimes that something was really offensive and quotes get taken out of context. And then sometimes people, everyone's just filming everything they're doing mm-hmm. all the time. So of course you're going to mess up and say something stupid. And then mm-hmm. it's just out there forever and you could ruin your whole mm-hmm. life. It's, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. Very scary. Well, Taylor, we know we have to let you go very soon, but we don't um, want to. We don't want to. We don't want to. But we do play a game at the end of our show called Never Have I Ever. If you're up for it, a couple I'm rounds. A, I'm up for it. Okay, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Never this is so fun. I this is like it. a sleepover. I'm right? mad because I feel like I want to talk for another hour, but you have something better to do. So I know. We, no, no. I'm so sorry. I f- this is my whole life now. It's just like doing podcasts all day, yeah. and interviews, and Zoom calls. <laughs> Totally. I'll, I'll come back anytime. You guys are the best. Yes. Part two, because I have come back to more thirty yeah. pages, qu- pages Qu- of questions. For yes, you. we have only scratched would, the surface. Yeah. I would honestly love to. <laughs> Yay! Um, okay, so never have I ever. Okay, so basically, we'll just read you one, and you let us know. Never okay. have I ever had sex in quarantine. This is quarantine edition. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Had sex because I was bored in quarantine. Oh no, I've done that. Yeah. You have? Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Not bored, but depressed. Like, have you guys had days where you're really depressed about the state of things and you go, I should I should probably, probably get off. Last night, <laughs> yeah, right? last night I said to my husband, I was like, I go, I'm so tired. He goes, I'm so tired. I go, Can you just go down on me? And he's like, sure. <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's he's a keeper. Marriage. He's a like, keeper. Sad. I was like sad about it. And then afterwards I was like, Thanks. I'm going to go now. <laughs> Just turn over the other side. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Never have I ever let my downstairs area grow grow way too long in quarantine. <laughs> I haven't yet. No. If I were alone, if I were alone, I would not be shaving we do. at all. And we're yeah. not alone. But you know what? She's got the new boyfriend. Yeah, so they're like so down. sexy. But yeah. you're like, mm, we're still kind of like honeymooning, like the end of the honeymoon phase. Like, I get it. You want to keep it like tight yeah. down there, yeah. you know? Yeah. I told Roxy right? I have like one long hair, but I just feel like I've been <laughs> yeah, such a commitment to grow that so long. But I feel like once I take it out, it's like it's been there with me during all of quarantine. So I feel kind of sad to let, we'll call her Alexis, go. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I said just to my husband. Just shave around her. I know. I'm just going to let, and see if he even notices. I'm just going to see if he even like, that's what happens after 14 years. You're just like. I mean, it's a three way. It's a three way at this point. <laughs> Never have I ever ooh eaten food out of the trash during quarantine. I haven't done that again. Oh, okay. There's somebody here with me. <laughs> You're like, I gotta keep of, it. Yeah. A lot of these things would be happening if I were alone and there were no witnesses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, never have I ever watched my special in quarantine. Oh, no. oh my God. You haven't? No. You've never no. watched it? No. No. no have no, you no, seen no, it no. at all? Like the playback at all? I or mean, no? I edited the thing. So right. but I, after I, that, I was... you never watched it again? No. Oh, no. I think wow. I'd be, I mean, I, I've seen like pieces of clips that we put on social media to promote it. But yeah, I, I don't. 
I can't imagine sitting down and watching the whole thing. I mean, my reps have been like, what if you did like a watch party online or like live tweeted it? And I was like, oh, I mean, we'll see how how desperate I get. But I also I'm afraid it'll make me too sad right now because I miss doing stand up so much that oh, it might yeah, just bum me point. out. But you're yeah. so good. Maybe you should just relive how good you are. So you're like, oh, yeah, I, I am special. I <laughs> totally am special. Just keep it on the loop. Just keep it on the loop. Yeah. Sometimes I just look at my like good stuff that I've done in my career and I'm like, okay, I am. I am. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's maybe I should just watch it on mute or something. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Look how pretty your makeup is. <laughs> yeah. Look how good I am. And you're, you're, I, I shouldn't say this, but like you, you look like you work out and you're like, I don't even know. See, this is so PC. Oh, like I just want to say, like, oh, you have a hot body. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. You so. absolutely are. And thank you so much. This has been my favorite podcast. <laughs> we love that. Okay, Roxy, so last fun. one. Okay, last one. So uh, never have I ever, ooh, never have I ever watched Vanderpump Rules in quarantine. Uh, I haven't seen that show. Oh, so not? Is it? I know a lot of my it's friends true. are telling me to watch like Love is Blind and stuff. They're like, it's hilarious. And I've just never gotten into reality yeah. shows. But I mean, quarantine is the time There's to open time. your mind. <laughs> it makes you feel better about your situation that you're in. You're like, yeah, oh, okay. it could be worse. It could okay. be worse. It could be worse. Yeah. So there's always that. There's always that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Amazing. Thank you yes. so much for talking Taylor to us. The best. And we will continue to stalk you on your Instagram and what's yes. special again. And that's about it from us. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Taylor, tell everybody your handle on Instagram. Oh, yes. My handle on Instagram is just my name at Taylor Tomlinson. Same on Twitter. If you're into that, uh, you guys nice. are so fun. Thank oh you my for God, having you're me. So fun. We're so fun. Anytime. Yay. Well, if we never get out of quarantine, you'll be back sooner rather than later. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make you. You're in LA. You're in LA, right? I'm in LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have Great. an amazing, it's kind of sad. We have an amazing studio that you can come and like, in with us and we'll give you a, a Klonopin and a, yeah. a, a, joint. a joint. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> no, we, we aim to please. We aim to please. Oh, so oh. good to have something to look forward to. Right. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So you can fun. find us on women on top official on Instagram and women on top official on, I'm sorry, women, at top, oh. women on top. The first time you got Fuck. I fucked it up. Okay. Women on top podcast on Facebook. And I am Taman Sarsak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on, on Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.